Hey, it's Deep Focus. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is part two of three parts of a program that was aired live July 10th, 2023. My guest is William Hooker. Our topic is the magnificent Joseph Jarman. And I want to tell you about an article that uh, Graham Haynes sent to me, who's you might have heard on the show. If you haven't, you should dig in and find some of the shows that Graham Haynes and I have done together. He sent me this article from the London Review of Books, and uh, it's a little essay by Adam Schatz, S-H-A-T-Z, on the column. This is January 28th, 2019, New Sounds. Adam Schatz remembers Joseph Jarman, and I wish that I'd had a chance to read this article before we did the show. There's it's a ton of very comprehensive, very cogent information about Joseph Jarman's history. So if you're enjoying this, it's something to look up. Once again, it's in the London Review of Books, January 28th, 2019, New Sounds, Adam Schatz Remembers. Joseph Jarman. Okay, let's get into it. This is part two of three parts.
You are in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's September 1979. There's a live recording, obviously, of Joseph Jarman and Don Moyer at the RC Auditorium, University of Michigan. And why are we listening to Joseph Jarman's music tonight? Because good question. Good, good question. It is a good question. We got a good answer for him because you're here. I'm Mitch Goldman. My guest is William Hooker, and we do the show Deep Focus. Our guest chooses a topic, and William's pointing the lens, the deep focus lens, onto the topic of Joseph Jarman, and it is yielding rich rewards to us. Let me just let you know that you're listening to WKCR-FM New York, WKCR-HD, WKCR.org, perhaps, and even if you're not in the New York City area, you could get us worldwide. You could tell your friends that, WKCR.org, and maybe you just tuned in in the middle of that and you say, man, I wish I knew this was coming on. I wish I'd listened to this. You can hear it again because next week it's going up on the Deep Focus podcast, just like on WKCR. No advertising, not selling you anything, no steak knives. It's just putting it out there free, and uh, you can download the show. It's going to go up next week. You can... You can uh, what you might want to do is subscribe now to Deep Focus, and mm-hmm. then when it goes up, you'll get notified. And maybe in the meantime, you might want to explore some of the hundreds of episodes that mm-hmm. are already online there, mm-hmm. and uh, including several with William Hooker. You'll find some very interesting things. This is the first time anybody's called the name of Joseph Jarman on this show. And you remember Ethan Singer, my former— oh, Absolutely. Ethan, <laughs> Ethan, when I put this up on the socials, and Ethan said— Man, it took this long for somebody to call for Joseph Jarman? And he's oh. right. He's right. But, I mean. I get it. He knows stuff. But, oh, yeah. Ethan, I hear you. Ethan's a big uh, Jarman yeah. fan. And he does. He knows He knows plenty. Yeah. Out in Bend, Oregon these days. We miss you, Ethan. But, um, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So, we're, we're right in the midst of this great show and this set from uh, University of Michigan. And, William, I want to hear, I want to climb inside your mind. Okay. What are we hearing? <clears throat> We're not hearing words. No. I it, must that say is, that. That's sometimes something that my memory of uh, Art Ensemble Chicago shows from around this time, there usually would be some some intoning, some verb, verbiage, some... some. And who would be saying the deepest It would be shit. often Joseph Jarman's the guy that you could stuff. count on for that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because, and that's, and you see... That was uh, that was a very profound thing for me because I realized that um, word and spoken word had a very very um, highly elevated place in terms of um, presentation and uh, the whole the I won't say the whole theater part of it, but the whole the whole part of um, bringing other people into the music that weren't really totally comfortable with just sound. Mm-hmm. Then you could really <clears throat> you could really deal with um, other kinds of interpretations that that are um, uh, creative, spontaneous, and you change the entire vibe of of uh, of the piece by bringing in spoken word, and and I say spoken word as opposed to singing. And that's one thing that, um, for me, uh, Joseph Jarman did uh, to a very, very high creative level. 
and uh, I've always uh, I've always really really enjoyed that from him. Uh, anything about the the sort of poems that he would present? Yes, y'all very yeah. Oh, great. Uh, they they were um, train of thought. It was that kind of poetry. It was not poetry that rhymed. It was not poetry that stuck to a specific thing. It was not poetry that was um, dealing with just inanimate, with just inanimate objects and in, 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 uh, physical things. And there was a lot of repetition in terms of uh, the words, the word structure. And I think that that's very, very important sometimes when you're when you're when you're saying a poem, because a lot of times uh, people really have to hear it more than once to really gather what what was that sentence? What was that a sentence? What was that? And, and it's it's different than if you hear uh, an improvisation that's musical or a sound, because sound. Sound reverberates in a different level than a word, and I hope I hope that uh, the listeners can understand what I'm saying. Um, it, it comes from it comes from it comes from a different place, especially if you're in a group that knows you. If you're in a group that knows you, they expect it when you do it. It's it's not as if you're throwing them off. But you're trying to you're trying to re re uh, you're trying to change the the street that you're on. You're trying to change the street that you're on, and and that's a that's a very powerful thing to do, especially if you have a group that has been playing together for a very very long time, and in the in the art ensemble, you could tell that uh, with those individuals, if you did that. And they just came with you. It would be very interesting, but I never heard them really, really do that for him. I heard him do it for himself, mm. well, especially when I listened to uh, "As If It Were the Seasons." That, um, um, and that's what really stuck with me, and um, it stuck with me for such a long time. The non-cognitive aspects of the city that stuck with me like forever. It's yeah, still, was... it's still in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. That piece, I'm like, whoa, what is this? Really? So yeah. I, I'll, I'll go off. No, I, I was going to say, though, <laughs> if we're going to do a three-hour presentation having to do with Joseph Jarman, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Association for the Advancement of Creative Musicians, which he was, a, again, a founding member and for a long time, and it was a, a whole organization still around, still very active, and bringing a lot of exciting music to the world. Um, and uh, this mutually supportive, uh, mutual support for one another's creative work and writing. Yes. And, you know, I don't know if he would have uh, had the opportunity to take things as far as he did if he didn't have this okay. community around him of very supporting for all of one another. And we were talking off mic earlier about while well, Richard Abrams was in with that and uh, he played in, they both played with one another and Muhal played with the Art Ensemble with Anthony Braxton, with Henry Threadgill, all these guys who brought this music together, Thurman Barker. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they, uh, 
they all elevated one another. But Joseph Jarman was very unique to me. Oh, yeah. Well, very unique, very unique. He spoke to me more than, I won't say more than Muhal, but he spoke to me on a level that, that I really identified with. Many people, uh, yeah, as great as they are, I kind of didn't identify with them. I kind of was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Well, they're, I mean, they're each doing uh, their yeah, own thing. Because, because at first they didn't have a drummer, number one. And then I was saying, well, okay, where, where, what's my space? When am I doing this? But then when this person started started saying that, and I was listening, I was listening to, I was not listening to, but I was actually um, <clears throat> learning about um, Elaine Robgrelay. Oh, that's what I was learning. Mm-hmm. The Golden Triangle. I was learning that. And and people were just looking at me like, this is not music. I said, I know it's not music, but I mean, I, I like more than just music. And they were saying, well, this doesn't even make any sense. Doesn't, there's no periods, there's no capitals, there's no, I said, yeah, I know, I get it. Well, what is it about? I, and I would say, I don't know. But it just, it just, <laughs> It spoke to me. It spoke to me, Mitch. It's like you know what I'm saying. I do. I think I do. Well, you've always you you have always been very generous with sharing these ideas, and and you are a person who becomes captivated by ideas. Yeah, I love it. And they're not necessarily musical ideas, or but 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 there's thought behind the things that that grab your attention. It's exciting. So that's what that's that's what it was because I was in the middle of all I was in the middle of like Rob Grelay. I was in the middle of like that kind of thinking, and, uh, and and this was the first time that I had seen a black man of this quality musicianship deal with that kind of an abstraction, and I was. I don't know. I just felt, I felt like I had found I had found a person I could really look up to, a person that I could really really get a message from. And I didn't even know I don't even know what the message was. I had no idea what the message was. I didn't even know if it made any sense. I had no. I was not like that. It was just like this guy is talking to me. He's talking to me, really. So. Well, and I know, just I'm, accepted it. I'm thinking about my first experiences with him, with the Art Ensemble of Chicago. He, in that company, he had, there was a kind of austerity about him compared to, you know, Lester Bowie was so dynamic and, and entertaining. And Roscoe Mitchell was, was uh, had his whole thing that was, kind of more extravagant in a way than the way Jarman presented in Jarman. Okay. There was, his moments on the stage would be, uh, words kind of fail because that's the nature of it. It's it's bigger than, than maybe one person could describe. But there was a kind of focus about what he was doing and a centeredness and anchoredness and um, a seriousness of purpose. Mm-hmm. A, a will behind it, and you're right. Even if you didn't know exactly what it was coming from, or something you maybe you'd, would have to listen to half a dozen times to start to get it, 
there was. I still don't get it. <laughs> I still well, don't get do you, it. You get, do you get this music that we're listening to? I get this music we're listening to, but what I don't get is how explicitly um, how does a person do this music and then all of a sudden get like six degree black belt in a keto? <laughs> Fifth degree, fifth degree. Fifth degree black belt in Aikido. <laughs> well, that was years later. That was years later. Yeah, because I, cause I, took, I took karate and t- I took all this. I took that too. You know, I had my son take it too. Yeah. You know, just be able to survive in New York. I said, yeah, you're going to take this. <laughs> but I mean, he didn't have to do this. He didn't have to do this. He was like famous. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, all he had to do was like play music the rest of his life, really. He didn't get gigs, didn't get booked, didn't get paid. He said, oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to do something else. And then, right? Yeah. Next thing I know, I'm seeing this person. After I had seen the Dalai Lama, after I went to see the Dalai Lama. That's right. And um, and I'm seeing this person, and he has this shaved head, and he has this thing, and he's just sitting there, and he's just talking regular. And And I met a couple of people that were in his dojo, in Brooklyn. And, yeah. And um, it had an effect on me, too, because I would have never expected. These weren't the kind of people that, that uh, you say, oh, they can really play, or they're really, really dynamic, or they can really improvise, or they can, oh, they're intense, or, you know, like just such feedback, and, and or, or there's such clusters, and there's this and this and this. It's almost like when you hear, like, ah, I know. Mitch, I remember when I went to go see the Cecil Taylor poetry reading. It was very similar. I was thinking about Cecil when you were It was very yeah. similar. It was just words. And I was like, huh, I like this. Uh-huh. And, and that, I felt the exact same way with Joseph Jarman. I said, I like this. This is nice. You know, so, Yeah. And you have you do your present your poetry on stage too with your music. Yeah, and I, I know the reasons why, and I know what I know what uh, initiated that, and I know what what I went through to get to that space, and I went through a period of not being able to play music because the people that I was with, they really didn't understand this music. They really did not understand this music. How'd you break through that? I wrote. That that was the way I broke through it. Because it was really either become a part of a become become a part of a um, become a part of a group that that had never played standards, had never played music to the extent that I did. And didn't know some of the things that I felt that I knew that were my foundations of music. And so because of that, I couldn't really share that with them. And uh, so I just found an alternative, and the alternative was writing. I don't know, I don't know, uh, in, in Joseph Jarman's case, what, what brought that on. I do know that a lot of times when I hear his pieces and when I look at his, his poetry and I look at his, his written word, I really, I really have to think about it many times mm-hmm. 
many times. Maybe if I talk to him, it would be a different thing. I didn't have the opportunity to meet him. But um, the people who were in his dojo, I did play with them, and they had such high regard for him. Oh, yeah. And uh, they looked out for him. They yeah. looked out for him. But, uh, you know, I got the sense uh, this is a little <laughs> fraction of a yes. impression from decades ago. They didn't necessarily know what the music that we knew. They, no. No. Uh-uh. It wasn't about that. No, they were. It was about his, his, sharing his knowledge about their pursuit. Yeah, because it really because half these people, half these people, well, I won't say that. That's uh, they were not on the same musical level as many of the musicians that you and I both know. No, they were. Pers- pushing into a whole other thing. Right. right. Especially so, in Brooklyn yeah, at well. the time. At the time. You know, so um, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, uh, there's so much to explore and we are still exploring. Okay. Well, do we have any things, do we have any things with his spoken word on it? We do. We do. I'll tell you what. We are exactly at the halfway point of the show. As a matter of fact, you're listening to WKCR. I'm your host, Mitch Goldman. The show's Deep Focus. Mm-hmm. My guest, William Hooker, man, I love when you come up here. We have a good time. <laughs> we do. We do. We really do. And I, I learn all these new things. I, you give me new ways of understanding things that I thought I knew. And I see new facets of them through your eyes and your mm-hmm. ears. Um, why don't we listen to the rest of this set? There's just a bit left. And How much bit? How much bit? Yeah. 20 minutes? This 20 minutes. Yeah, let's Before we get to the written part, and before we get into the word. The, maybe we'll go to the, the Baden-Baden stuff, which is really interesting. Yeah, but do you know where that is? The I know written, exactly the, where that is. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I hope that I hope that our, uh, our audience can stick with us for that long. Me too. That's the whole point. Me too. Because I but, want them to join well, us. Yeah, but this is great stuff too. They're not calling us. <laughs> That's okay. Don't Call give, me. Don't give them any ideas. For all they know, I'm this gi- might have been pre-recorded. I'm giving them, <laughs> I'm giving them ideas because I want to know how they feel about what we're talking about. Because many people, many people, when you really talk about this music, Joseph Jarman rarely comes up. That's true. And I'll tell you something, it's kind of, it's kind of, that's why I look at some of my good, really, really good friends and I ask them, you really get it like that? You know, I'm not really thinking that I won't say it to you, but I mean, you know, let's just, let's just keep going. Let's keep pushing it. Let's keep pushing it. And, and, and then, you know, it's, let's, let's be more, let's be inclusive, Theater? Hmm. Theatrics is kind of important. Art Ensemble of Chicago painted faces? Hmm. It's kind of interesting. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. We haven't. It beats really it beats that Armani suits. Yeah. Well I mean to me <laughs> it's, no. I can't afford it, but <laughs> I'm just saying. It's another it's an it's another look at that aspect of the presentation. Thank you, yes. thank you. There you go, <laughs> bitch. You oh, see, Mitch, you know. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something. I yes. didn't know if I wanted to talk about this, but I'm uh, going to because it's so on point. Uh, I don't know if people are aware. I haven't seen a lot of reviews, but 
recently Henry Threadgill's autobiography was published, and I heard that that was happening, and it's called Easily Slip Into Another World. And I was at Barnes & Noble on the Upper West Side, and I saw a stack of them. I was like, wow, I didn't, didn't know I was going to run into that. I didn't know if it had actually come out. I've been reading it. It is such a revelation. It is enormously entertaining reading, but he has just such a command of this and his storytelling and his insight and the things that he picks up on and chooses to talk about yes. and the formation. And, he, and he'll break away and talk about, this is how I became who I am as an artist and as yeah. a person. And it's starkly revealed all these questions. I've had, Henry's been on this show with me and I'm reading this book saying, how could I have never asked him about some of the stuff that's in there? Yeah. And he's incredibly forthright talking about this scene in Chicago. Is this a thick book? From. Is this a big book? Is this a book like Piketty? It's about that thick. I'm okay. carrying it around with me because it's so great and I'm so engrossed okay. in okay. it. Okay, okay, okay. He talks about Vietnam. He talks about okay. Uh, okay. the music scene. He talks about playing in marching bands and he talks about playing in, for, uh, yes. you know, Church so services. bring this back to Joseph Jarman. What well, are you talking about? He talks about? about Jarman too, and he talks about the yes. AACM scene. Yeah, and yeah, he's, what's he say? Uh, uh, oh, what man, uh, what are their so, thoughts? So much stuff in it. I'm going to encourage everybody to read it. I'm talking about. I'll say it again. This is Henry Threadgill's, uh, written with Brent Hayes Edward, Edwards. Brent Hayes Edwards. Henry Threadgill. Easily slip into another world is the name of the book, and it's... Uh, I already got too many books already. <laughs> I, already you, two, I, two, one, no, I already got too <laughs> many books already. I got too many books already. I'm yeah. reading a book by, right now about Tom, by Thomas Piketty. Oh, okay. You know, if you yeah, know yeah, yeah. The, Economist. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's on my mind. It's I'm on my sure, mind because yeah, another... it's on my mind. Um, because I, I want to bring it back to a person like... Um, a person like Joseph Jarman, who to me, he had to give something up to be able to go forward. And sometimes you have to give up the most loved thing to go forward. It may depress you, it may depress you, but you, but you and you alone know what your soul has to deal with in terms of how you are going to um, progress in this life, especially if you accept Buddhism. That is, that is a very profound thing, to come from Arkansas and to become a Buddhist priest. That's deep. Yeah, he he went. That's deep. Went a long way. Yeah, he went a long. Well long said, way. well said, Mitch. Well said. Yeah, that's what I I really that followed that exactly internal engine. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not point. saying that I'm not saying that as in any kind of form of idolatry or anything. I'm just saying that as in the sense of like this is pointed out to me where you say to yourself, "Is this all there is?" Is this all there is? I mean, um, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, well. 
Well, it's interesting. <laughs> you were, he right. He he <laughs> removed himself from this thing, this the music and the thing that you think would have been filling his life with satisfaction in any number of ways. And um, I think it is very interesting and kind of revealing that he did come back to it and with a new perspective. And he, I think he said exactly what you said. I think he said that it was it depressed him to be away from the music. Huh. And that that was one of the reasons he came back to it. How many happy people do you know, Mitch, that are priests? Yeah, well, you know, I don't, I keep coming back to, I'm remembering this conversation that I had with Joseph Jarman, and I'm yeah, pretty sure right. that's what he said, that that, that right. is specifically the goal of his practice, of this Zazen practice that he gave himself over to was to be happy. Well, I wish I could continue that let, conversation. Let's, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. And I, I, I'm, I'm no, no disrespect for any direction we, we, that I stride away from, but I'm really, really thinking about this. I'm thinking about this deeply because I'm looking at younger people that, that I really want to bring into the music and work with, and I want them to know that there is a goal here. You may not know what it is, you may not know how where it's going to take you. you. The many of the older people like myself may not be able to give you the answers, but just don't give up in the quest of trying to find something different and something new for yourself. Well, I think he's a model of that, no question. Back to Ann Arbor. Absolutely. All right. For a minute. The show's called Deep Focus. William. Before Hooker's we get my into guest. words. We, you, oh, we will, right, yes, words yeah. are coming, words. I got words for you. <laughs> All right. Got a lot of good words. I'm with it. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, back to Ann Arbor, 1979, duet of Joseph Jarman and Don Moyer. It's deep these are not, these don't have any titles, though. No titles. Anybody? Untitled Improvisations. Okay, great. And this is, this is the end of the performance we're going to write. All right.
screaming and clapping and whistling and hooting. You are in Ann Arbor, Michigan, September of 1979. You're also listening to WKCR-FM New York, WKCR-HD, WKCR.org, or maybe you are in the future. Could be. You could be in the future listening to the Deep Focus podcast. You could take this with you, this show. You could share it with your friends, email it around. It's all free, 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 free. <laughs> if it's not on, go to your podcasting app on that phone in your pocket and look for Deep Focus from uh, Small Media Large. That's my company. And um, if you don't see it there, you should see it there. If you don't see it there, you can always find it at the hosting site, which is mitchgoldman.pod bean.com mitchgoldman.podbean.com deep focus there's hundreds of episodes including a number of them with my guest tonight william hooker man william i love listening to music with you and uh you always you choose great music well i don't know who your friends are that's giving you this music they got (laughs) you got some good friends these people are serious i do there's also you know look wkcr has been on the air here since 1941 this is the original fm and you know i stand on the shoulders of giants some great broadcasters all right so all right um, very lucky, very lucky that I'm way. still going to give you the credit for bringing this kind of music to <laughs> let it be played. Well, you suggested Joseph Jarman as a topic. I think it's a great one. We just heard a full set of Jarman and Don Moyer duet to the wow. two uh, painted faces from the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Yes. Doing this duet performance. And you were, uh, they went, yeah. I always say this, you know, you listen to two really great musicians, a duet. It sounds like 20 different people. I mean, there's all these different textures and colors coming through. And Uh you were here in the studio with me just responding to every bit of it. Um, Any thoughts about that last hunk of music that we heard? Yeah, uh, I got to say, Damoye, wherever you are right now, I tell you, man, that's some nice stuff. That's some nice. That's some nice. That's some nice hand drumming. I'm serious, cause I, uh, man, your hand, man, that's nice. That's all I could say. And uh, having someone like uh, Joseph Jarman playing with you, and and both of you sharing, that this is really a great, great recording, and this is something I could listen to over and over again. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, that's that's basically all I could say about it. I mean, I hope everybody has been listening and uh, hope they can understand what uh, what you brought to the airways. Yeah. Um, well, I'm I'm listening right here with you, man. So you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling it too. Yeah. And uh, so that was um, one piece of music. We've got a couple more that we're gonna turn to next but you know i want to take this opportunity william while you're here while i have the great fortune of having you in the studio i want to ask you what opportunity might listeners have coming up to hear you what do you have uh i'll just give them a a brief overview Uh, my my latest record is coming out within the next month and a half it's called um flesh and bones it is uh, a recording that includes 
Charlie Burnham on violin, Hilliard Green on 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 uh, acoustic bass, Luke Stewart on electric and acoustic bass, Ann Davis on electric guitar and acoustic guitars, and Ross Moshe on um, alto, tenor, and flute. You got myself on drums. You got Murderer's Row, man. That's coming out. You got the 1927 Yankees. That's coming out in the next, I would say, next two months. On on um, a label that I've been with um, for quite a while now, Organ Music, and it's going to come out in all formats. Great. Um, and uh, that's that's the first thing. I'm really looking forward to that because we're going to be playing live shows since all of us are located in one place. I mean, really, that is some ensemble. That's that's a very special group. I'm, Flesh I'm, and bones. I can't wait to hear it. And uh, the impetus for that is uh, basically, really, all of the murders that have been happening regarding all the all the black people that have been murdered within the last. Um, this is something that came out of um, uh, our being isolated, my having to wear a mask. And some of the things that have happened in in the record will be out. Uh, it's a double record, and it's um, it's something. Yeah, yeah, it's something. That's the first thing. Great. Secondly, is going to be um, is going to be. I really hope that people in California are listening to this. I think we have a few listeners at least. Because you know something, people in California. I'm going to be in San Francisco. In August, I'm going to be playing at a place there, which is a brand new club called The Key. And I'll be there, uh, I'll be there um, with Patrick Wolf. And uh, that's the main thing. And then after that is the festival. The festival that's going to be happening at, uh, um, uh, in, in Hell's Kitchen. July 10th, 2023. William Hooker, my guest, the topic, Joseph Jarman, and that was part two of three parts. I'll see you over part three.